Everyone, hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is Your New Best Friend. Recording at a new, different, and earlier time, which you, the listener, didn't need to know, but I can't help it. I'm sitting here with Dustin Marshall. Hello. Founder, creator, brains behind Feral Audio, which is one of the biggest podcasting networks, and also someone whose social media presence is, or his brand, actually, and I bet he would barf at that word, is um, somewhere between existential dread and a cry for help. <laughs> so I'm excited, but in a, an amusing way. So I'm excited to find out like what the real story behind that is. Um, you're someone who I've been following and been sort of interested in for a long time now. So it's exciting to have you on the show. When you came in, you said it's nice to meet you in person, although... I think we actually met when I did Allie and George's podcast. Oh, that's right. That was a couple of years ago. Yeah, but I it's surreal for me because I listened to before I moved here when I worked at a factory in Wisconsin like cuz Corolla's podcast was the first podcast I ever heard, but I was listened to you back when I would stock shelves <laughs> and all that stuff. So, but yeah, so very honored and very flattering for you to have me on. So, I guess yeah, I met you during Allie and Georgia. And Summer life's party a blur. Podcast. <laughs> Podcasts are all blurred together. <laughs> so I was. So you had a podcast called Pay for that you hosted oh, called Pay for Art. That was a bit. I never ever wanted a podcast, but I did one spur of the moment, and I just raided my friend Dave Horowitz. He's hilarious, and I was just really angry about podcasting, and and then I so I did a thing because no artists out here get paid for their work. So basically, I went. I just asked him. I was like give me a percentage of how much work you have done out here prorated or free. And it was just sort of like hostile. I was just going to do one, but then Steve Agee heard it and he's like, I want to do this. And so then I was like, okay, because I never wanted a podcast. And then I was talking to my friend who's a sex worker who's, who sells clips online. It's, it's that, and that's always fascinated me because it's always, it's like this big kind of DIY independent uh, revolution of young women, like monetizing the male gaze and so they, she was talking about how those sites are like, you know, screwing her, her over and all this stuff. So then I tried to do two more where I was drinking during it. And by the end of it, it was just gibberish. And, I, and then I was like, booking podcasts are hard. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't. But that was like a bit. But it, it is still out there. Well, I so I listened to one where um, you said a lot of really interesting things about the podcast movement being over and message board culture having having taken over or having being sort of the the root of this problem and like it's the listener's fault and it was fascinating i want to ask you about that but now i want to go back to something that you just said um so you started a podcast network however you never wanted to host a podcast explain um well i just got into podcasts when i lived in wisconsin and then was obsessed with them and then was always really into comedy the same way I was into music. And then I went to see my favorite podcast comedy, Death Ray Radio Live. 
And then I met... Um, That's the precursor to Comedy Bang Bang. Yes. Or the same as Comedy Bang Bang. It's the Bang same, Bang, yeah. Just before they changed the name. Yeah. Um, and it was also on the radio at the time and it was sent, turned into podcast form. And it was all these comedians I was getting introduced to. Thank you. Um, and the same weekend there, I met uh, Jeff Ulrich, who's the founder of Earwolf. And then we all just made fast friends. And then a year later... Uh, I got a phone call and I just graduated college and they were like, we, uh, our engineer quit. Will you come out here? I need to know by Monday, like two days to decide. So there's a whole folklore behind it, but I came out to work for Earwolf and I worked there for about 10 months. Had you studied sound engineering? I was, I'm a self-taught like producer. I got my degree in electronics, but no, I, I, I lied to my Facebook that I had any professional experience. I knew I could do it. Like I'm not scared of any equipment. Like I can figure it out. Like I lied that I knew Pro Tools and I stayed up all night teaching myself <laughs> Pro Tools. That's impressive that you were able to teach yourself in one night. Yeah, it's it's all, it all it's all ones and zeros anyway. But so but I started getting eight tracks when I was like 16 because I was in bands and recording bands and then I was a musician. But I got more interested in like how the guitar pedal works like taking that apart instead of playing guitar. But um, so, yeah, I had experience, just no professional experience. Mm -hmm. So you were fascinated with podcasts as a listener. Oh, I was obsessed. I was obsessed. I'm still obsessed. What were the other ones you listened to? Oh, wait, actually, something that I should have said at the top just to orient people, although I feel like podcast listeners know, but Feral Audio, you have a million podcasts, but the huge ones, My Favorite Murder. Mm Mm-hmm. Doughboys. Mm-hmm. What are the other? I'm blanking. Harmontown. Oh, right. Duncan Trussell, Call Chelsea Peretti, Sleep With Me are the biggest ones. Um, yeah. Okay. And then a bunch of other ones, though, featuring people. And you, you have a new one with Busy Phillips, right? Yeah. Busy Phillips and Steve Agee are hypochondriacs, and they just... Um, have a health and medicine show where they, like, do their best to talk about... <laughs> they talk about health issues is very funny i love it okay yeah. so go back to what you're saying i was asking you what were the big podcasts that you were into um it was it was in the beginning it was just like i was constantly searching for new ones but um you know early wtf but really my favorite was the lavender hour which is duncan trussell mm-hmm. and tasha Legero. right um yeah but over the years it just like expanded and super ego was another one when I, before i worked on them that I was a huge fan of. But, yeah. And then did it change? Uh, no. I mean, I love my whole rule is with curating the network because we started as an art collective, all volunteer based on zero dollars. And the idea was I'm from Madison where I've worked with art collectives and I worked at the <coughs> community radio station and there was ideas for like fun drives and it was just like, it's just pure so- socialist economics where it's like we pool together existing resources to make something um and with the idea of one day potentially monetizing that and you know so do you consider yourself a socialist or yeah am? yeah socialist. I'm an anar- anarcho-socialist yeah and so what does that mean exactly it pretty much means it's like um individual freedoms like really thrive in an economically like social environment to where I never cared about like if my neighbor makes more money than I do or has like that's purely like that's a capitalist competition to have like when I was growing up like who had the biggest who who was the first person to get a boat in their driveway (laughs) it's like I could care less like um but the idea is called 
it's called disruptive innovation. So when the capitalist market fails, it's no longer serving the consumer. It's disrupted by the consumer because it's they're not getting what they want. So like the MP3 movement, pretty much um, the record industry marked up singles like they're, they're huge. One of their biggest markets is teenagers. So they used to be able to buy 45s for like 50 cents. So they marked up like a CD single to 7.99 and pushed kids out of the market. So and then Clear Channel took over the radio. And so in order to hear the music they wanted to hear. Um, they started these peer-to-peer programs where they would send each other files. Um, and it was so new and shocking, like government couldn't even understand it and had to like do legislation while trying to understand what it was. Um, and so when you deny people um, something that they require, uh, people pool resources together and share it. Another disruptive innovation would be cab services being completely inefficient and inexpensive and people can't afford cabs. So there, somebody had the idea of just taking cars and qualified drivers and then using an app and you can just call a private driver. Um, and then it's the same as like Airbnb. It's like a man can't drive or a woman can't drive up the highway and be like, I want to need my kids to stay somewhere tonight without the hotel room being like $300. Mm-hmm. So they have Airbnb. So basically it's like, that just happens naturally. So I, I introduced like a weird disruptive innovation thing in podcasting at the time, which was, but I really, really wanted to preserve like the art of it and not and treat it like it's sure it's entertainment, but also that it is an art form. And I think podcasting is the disruptive innovation of uh, radio. radio, clear channel radio, people having no freedom of speech. And I think it's just people wanted to hear uh, people talk. Um, what was it that that um, appealed to you about podcasting? Or when you were like in Wisconsin listening to podcasts, what was it that grabbed you? Ex- ex- it was Car- Carolla and and but when I heard I heard Duncan Trussell on Joe Rogan and it was like it was like hearing Kid A by Radiohead for the first time. I was just like I was hearing adult conversations that I would never ever hear of. I was just hearing very adult, intellectual, mud against the wall type of, you know, existential co- stuff that you could never hear anywhere else. And so I got addicted to just the new information because I'm super dyslexic and like I can read in short bursts, but I'm an audiovisual person. Mm-hmm. And so I, information is best retained when I hear it. Um, and then I just got obsessed. So I'd work all these crummy jobs with an earbud in. Um, but I, that's what drew me in was just like the freedom, freedom of speech. And then just being a part of like, I wanted to be a part of this indie independent media revolution, the sort of idea that we, 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 we can go outside the industry and, you know, that kind of, that kind of, that ended like two years ago. And now it's just podcasting is, it started, it started behaving like the industry and now we're in it. And so, but you know, I, I'll never escape or I'll never grow past the like DIY punk, like let's, let's fight it. Let's be independent. And it's right. like, but I'll never, now I'm 32 and I've, I've, I've settled down considerably. Um, but now it's just like, okay, well let's still be fair. How far can we go without fucking a single person over? Um, while, you know, we end up may end up getting fucked over ourselves sometimes too. But like, how do we do this fair? And I met the perfect partner. 
who worked like pro bono for three years, this guy, Jason Smith, he's changing podcasting. He's like the next, he is the next big thing. And I'm really lucky that I met him. I met a lot of business guys over the years that just didn't get it. And he is, we're just, he's the perfect partner for me. He just has a long history in business and advertising and art and video games. And he's just got this emotional intelligence. So he just understands people's needs. And do you feel like you have that? I feel like I'm very, I feel like I have that. Yeah. I think I'm a really good listener. And when I approach like comedians or podcasters, like I don't want to have a podcast or do you stand like a nightmare for me is to be on stage, Mm -hmm. but I'm fans of them. And then if there's someone that I think would be a great podcaster, I will pitch them like, here's this thing we're doing. Um, you should do one. Hit, hit, hit me up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I don't think I approach them really. I don't really need anything. And I think that my temperament or whatever worked really well with comedians, which was, which was like out of nowhere, just kind of happened naturally. And I think he's the same way. So you were working at Earwolf. You moved out on mm-hmm. short notice, working at Earwolf. And then... What was your next step after that? Um, I was fired the 16th, April 16th, 2002. I was out of money, and then I started Feral Audio. Why'd you get fired? 17th of April. Oh, wow. Um, basically standing up for myself that I needed a raise. <laughs> it was just not a very fun place to work. It was just very, in the early ages there weren't really any employees I was being paid under the table. And now it's like, now they're a business and I'm sure they have. Wait, did you say 2002? No, 12. (laughs) Um, Maybe I did. I'm dyslexic. So my brain skips parts. So I moved moved here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I moved here June, 2011. This was February, 2002. Yeah. So 2012, 2000. Oh, I did it again. I have have a thing where I keep saying 2007 when I mean 2017. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yeah. This is like the, this has come up on more than one episode where I say the wrong thing. So I wonder how many times I've said that wrong. (laughs) Oh man. I gotta go back and correct some emails. (laughs) I bet in emails you're, I bet it's right. I think I bet it's just when you're saying anyway, not important. So 2012 is when this happened. Yeah. And I, and I, the next day just wrote it down on a piece of paper, Duncan Trussell was a good mentor in that. He hooked me up with this webmaster who agreed for a small percentage to build it for free. We built a site and then we launched with five new podcasts in 28 days. And then I didn't think it would last a month. And then um, I just started freelancing to keep it afloat. And I got a freelance job and then this job and then this job. And um, I got- What kind of jobs were you doing? Um, Bob Odenkirk was like, he, I worked with him on a cart. He came in and saw me doing pro tools and he's like, that, I don't understand that. I am doing this cartoon. <laughs> I need you to do this for me. And so he hired me to do, it's a dream. Mr. Show is like my Beatles. So it's mm-hmm. like my favorite show, but, um, I did this Mr. Show reunion. They wrote two movie scripts that never got made and they wrote a book called Hollywood says no. And it was a reunion of the cast and then like an audio play. We, uh, did we recorded and I sat all summer and edited it and with sound design and and um, I'm really proud of it. You can get it on Audible and on Amazon. It's like the audiobook version. I highly recommend. And then he, and then he also he picked me up for his sort of like a sister book, uh, A Lot of Hui and and then this place Puny. Um, we do animation animation for Yo Gabba Gabba. They were like, here we'll build you. You can use one of our bedrooms. 
we'll buy some equipment. We want to get into podcasting, but also you can introduce us to some comedians because we want our cartoons are good, but we want them to be funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, and then just sort of met Dan Harmon and got absorbed into his world and Starburns Industries where they do Rick and Morty and they mostly take taking care of uh, me to this day. Um, now I'm officially like on my own payroll, like Feral's its own entity now, which is crazy, but they hired me as their in-house audio engineer and let us use their ridiculously nice studio for free for years. And now we're trying to pay it forward. Trying to, trying to, um, it's hard. Uh, well, we, Feral's thing is all the artists own everything. 60% of all revenue goes straight to the artist. 40% goes to us. Like it's never going to, de- has that always been what it was or did it change in the very early stages? It was 80. I think that was on your website. It was on my website. That's when I started it. That's when I believed in the donation model. And the idea is like, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I learned like I'm a creative mm-hmm. more than I am. I understand podcasting. Um, but the donation model is not consistent enough. It's also very unrewarding to donate. And and you see now with Patreon and stuff that you can donate and then go look at the front page and you can see your money reflected there. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was just like throwing money in, in a well. And I would try to say thank you to everybody. But um, yeah, but it's now there. there's Feral Audio, the Art Collective, and now there's Feral Audio LLC. And that is artists still own everything. They get 60% of the revenue, 40% goes to us. We cover bandwidth, website, pay for your equipment, engineers and stuff. And just, um, so we take a big hit on that, but also we have so many great artists and we just keep uh, using the network to grow it, grow itself. And we went from, after four years, me being the sole person creating and running about 38 shows um to now i'd say january 2016 we had like 1.2 million network downloads and then last month we hit over 25 million like it's we've added one to two million listeners a month what do you attribute that to um i think there was harmontown we always used as a good platform it's a live show and so we'd always sort of drop our hosts in that and then we had a show my favorite murder mm-hmm. and they sure. went on Harmontown and then we did this panel at Comic-Con like these guys, like Jason and these guys they knew like are connected. And then then the Star Trek movie dropped out. And so I, I had to have Hall H explain to me, it's their biggest room where people wait outside to get into. And then we did this podcast panel, which was so surreal. And then a bunch of PR hype. And then my favorite murder, went on the cracked podcast and then that just slowly exploded and it just took off and became the number one podcast in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was like, that a surprise to you? It was like, it was, it was, it was fun watching it work. It wasn't a surprise cause I knew um, it would be that big of a hit, but there also was moments where it was like, Oh, I look at my other shows. It's like, there are other shows that should be like this too but it's all timing much like a good relationship <laughs> it's like when you're healthy and you're ready and you meet and it, and it works and then sometimes you know sometimes relationships don't last four five six months this one was just seemed like the perfect uh marriage of resources timing um 
Yeah. And I remember I, I five years before it was like I went to Meltdown and saw Allie and Georgia do a routine during the Meltdown show. And I was I was like, I, I want them on my podcast network. It's like when I started in Howard Kramer's like I can get you their emails. And then I met with them and they pitched me like three ideas and they had this idea for Slumber Party, which you were on. I was. Yeah. And then. Yeah, they started talking. Uh, Georgia was like talking about murder stuff. And I think it's like, I don't know. I don't think she have a murder thing every week. So then she just took the format and found her other friend who was into that shit. And it was really organic. So it was really exciting because it wasn't forced. And that's like my favorite type of thing. It's like, it's not like some people now are like starting podcasts trying to get that big. Whereas these are just two people who needed to express themselves and they just found an entire audience that because we found out that 80 90 percent of feral audios listeners are women um after that when we did crazy. our survey yeah and and that we, Was, we did, have did that surprise you like i'm more i think this might surprise some people i i'm a little more men than women yeah well, it's mostly it's mostly 50 50 but we we do just by my own taste not over the years like we have some strong female independent voices where when you look at other networks usually women on the network are co-hosts or characters and i think that just my taste is i is i just grew up in a house of women and all my best friends are women Mm -hmm. and it's like i don't even think about it um but we ended up just sort of and i think people came from my favorite murder because my favorite murder did the thing that none of my other shows have done which is just hit the gen pop meaning like my sisters text me about it Mm -hmm. like like people's grandmas know about it (laughs) and uh and so then i think people just came in and hit the drop down menu and like oh um but the thing about uh because all of the shitty tweets that you get are all angry men you never Mm -hmm. hear because what we find out are I think women are more passive listeners where mm-hmm. they they listen and they um, consume it, and but they just don't interact with it. Because there, there's a level of podcasting where part of the fun is that you get to know people and you get mm-hmm. to interact with these people uh, for better or for worse. I, like, I'll get two emails complaining about something on the show or let's say even four emails. And I will think to myself, okay, this represents a much larger bit of the pie if it's four or does it just represent four that's what i don't know like i don't know i mean first of all i think our brains don't know how to process that kind of social media stuff but Mm -hmm. in general like if i hear from a very small handful of strongly opinionated people i don't know how much that reflects what the passive listeners are thinking we did we calculated how many itunes comments we got in a in a week compared to how many downloads we got mm-hmm. that week. And it was point zero 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 four of the people actually like comment, which is sort of like a... But there's also this thing. It's like, no, every time... like They're complaining about a free thing, but it's mm-hmm. not free because anytime anybody has ever hit play on one of my podcasts, even when I was... That's what broke me and I was... Uh, out of money is because paying out of pocket like i pay for that mm-hmm. and then so the, I, I feel like so if you do end up listening to that pay for art podcast which i don't know it could be funny i was definitely in a mood um but i feel like I'm, i feel uh, the podcasting revolution 
was there. It was there for a moment, and it was up to the it was up to the listeners, and they dropped the ball and they didn't support it because it's amazing that any advertiser would want to advertise on a podcast. And sure, in the beginning, it seemed like wonky, weird stuff like Adam and Eve and and weird stuff like that. But the podcast listeners, because I think the core, I think now now the second generation, I think are opposite and they're awesome and they're full of these early 20 millennials that are discovering it. But I think podcasting originally came from message board culture, which if you look at my website, there's no message board mm-hmm. because I would rather have someone form their own opinion on something. Um, and they just get so hateful. And, and it's like, so there is no quickly. discipline. So um, I just feel like a lot of the listeners when you look at the top podcasts, it's usually very prickly people. And it's, it's people like um, George and Karen or Dan Harmon or, or Corolla and Bill Burr or, you know, Mark Marin. And it's sort of when you look at the top podcasts, it's, they're sort of like mean prickly people. Mm. I, I mean, it's not the right word, but you know what I mean? It's just a more like a aggro person. Yeah, mean works. Yeah, I mean, it, like <clears throat> not generally mean spirited, but just like, yeah, it's just like cranky. Fuck, fuck cranky. Yeah. Ornery. Um, I think that's how a huge fa- fan base, especially the, the, the ones who respond the most are, I think that that's a personality type. And I just attribute it to like message board culture. Cause I think podcasts were discovered first on message boards because there's a whole world of tech podcasts. We don't even talk about that's right. been around since like 99. That's just huge five by five and stuff like that Mm -hmm. that doesn't even mix in the tech podcast world with the entertainment podcast world it's very interesting you know what makes people really ornery overpaying for contact lenses now yes (laughs) this is gonna seem like an odd segue given what you just said but that this kind of ties into what i wanted to get to which is my listeners and I think the podcast I used to be on, those listeners too, despite what you're saying, actually are, there is a huge response to the sponsors. And Love listening it. to what you said made me feel really lucky. Yeah. Um, that, that I they, they, have... They keep podcasting alive. Yeah. Please. I have every single one ones. of these products. <laughs> I, have all, I have all the good listeners, I guess. Um, but anyway, are you familiar with Hubble contacts? The, Do I, not I know pay. the Hubble. I, I stepped on your ad. Sorry, just do it. That's okay. <laughs> How's your vision, though? Because I'm blessed with perfect vision. I'm the only person in my family with 2020, but I really? do look really good in glasses, so it's a curse. It sounds like it is. You need to turn your family on to Hubble because most likely they have been overpaying for uncomfortable contact lenses or they've been overwearing their contact lenses to save money. And uh, Al, who is a guy who's frequently on the Thursday version of this show, he tried Hubble. I don't think he's willing to go back to the other guy because what he said about Hubble is they're really, really thin. So they're very comfortable. Like you don't even feel like you have them on. Um, you can get a fresh pair of lenses for every single day for less. So it's 60 contacts for $30. So if you do the math, that's a dollar a day. It's half the price of the other brands. Go to HubbleContacts.com and get your first two weeks free. Um, so contacts are expensive because like four companies control 97% of the market until now, but Hubble sells directly to you so they can offer you contacts for half the price featured in Vogue, GQ, TechCrunch, Mashable, 
Alan's eyes. Go to HubbleContacts.com to get your first two weeks of lenses for free. That's 15 pairs of lenses for free. You can't beat this deal. Hubble is offering my listeners two weeks of free contacts. So go to HubbleContacts.com and get 2020 vision for half the price. That's Hubble, H-U-B-B-L-E, Contacts.com. Hubble, H-U-B-B-L-E, Contacts.com. Okay. Is there a URL or a link for your show? Nope. No, you just go. You just go. Well, that's a dope deal. See, that's the thing. That's like a. I, I actually, Those are I, the. It's more common that there is a special thing. Yeah. Sometimes there just isn't. That's that's see that's I at first I don't know how anybody puts a contact and their touches their eyeball and puts a piece of I guess what it is is glass. What is it? It's is it plastic? I don't know. Oh, it's plastic. It's a little thin piece of flexible yeah. Plastic. Oh, okay. But they so used, if you they were glass in the olden days. That's not actually glass. If you had an eyelash in your eye, you couldn't get it out. In worst case scenarios, yeah, I, 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 I could. But like touching your eye, it's just wow. Like, kudos to you if you can just like touch your eyeball and put a thing on it. But also, it's a, it's a, it was a great read. And then you got to understand that Thank you. these like <laughs> these companies are progressive companies because they understand podcasting. And yeah, you're about to enter a world where you're going to hear movie trailers and Pepsi commercials and stuff. But like, well, we- so listening to you though, you were saying that the problem is podcast listeners don't support the advertisers, and that you. When did you record the third episode of Pay for Art? Approximately, like I was trying to figure out how long ago. March, March. Okay. Um. And I know that you and Harmon severed. You're you're still working together, but like you sever, you're no longer his producer. Yeah, I'm not the producer on Harmon. Right. He's still he's still I still uh, he's a partner of Farrell, and I'm a partner of Starburns. I just don't do his actual right. So I want to find out more about that um, Mm -hmm. because you were fired up a bit. Actually, you were you were calm and sensible when talking about it, but (laughs) you were fired up on the episode and saying that. The problem is that no one's making any money. You now have a humongous network, but you're basically living in poverty mm-hmm. because adverti- the, the listeners don't support the advertisers. And the sense I got from listening was that, and you may have even said this, um, that you were getting shit from people who were like, you're selling out. Yeah. And it made me realize... I am really fortunate that I don't have that situation. I have listeners who want to support the podcast, want to support the advertisers, and who don't ever... I mean, occasionally there's like a tweet or two, but the vast majority don't regard it as selling out. Um, and it made me wonder, are you, are what what do you make of the selling out argument? Because I... Like, I've talked before with people on the podcast about the fact that the notion of selling out, which I grew up with from, you know, the punk culture, people don't even like kids don't, they don't even know what sellout means. It's not even, it's not an issue anymore. They don't understand what selling out means. So in its most basic term, in Pearl Jam terms, (laughs) if Pearl Jam was railing against Ticketmaster for years and saying we need to go outside of Ticketmaster and 
inspires all this thing and then ends up just getting a deal from Ticketmaster and doing that thing and going back on their ethics, that's selling out. Right. So, but then in the, you know, I always looked at Feral Audio like it was like post-punk when it came out. And now we're in our early 80s new wave phase where it's like we're blondie and talking heads. And it's like we played CBGBs. Let's make, let's get on the radio. Mm -hmm. Like The Clash is a pop band, you know, (laughs) like so, but so this idea is they get, mad at the at an added advertisement and you do it great like integrating it that is just the perfect way to to do it like organically um but they get angry that an independent person is trying to independently monetize something that we're paying for for them to listen to but i now, just wonder but, why is it be did the ads come about all of a sudden on your network where they like we thought this was about no ads and now it's ads never ever ever said no ads okay. i said i believed in the donation model i never ever declared no ads no no it's not just it's just anybody it's a way outside of my network like they harassed itunes itunes um their support system was being so overrun by people just complaining about commercials and ads that they create try to create a system where you can skip them like sure if you want to skip these ads it's they'll pop up and you hit the button or whatever mm-hmm. all these sites have implemented that itunes rolled it out because i'm sure that they couldn't afford how many people were flooding and had better things to do with their contact thing and it doesn't work very well and it locks up the podcast people have to start over and the people who take the brunt of that are the network and the hate tweets and the um but i'm just saying that like they don't you they don't buy the stuff that we're selling it's like just do like get a get a nice casper mattress if you hear a pod, if you hear an advertisement on a podcast, it's like you spend, you'll upgrade Hulu for $5 for no commercials. It's just like get a thing, a HelloFresh for a month and try it and then just say you did it because it really helps because the more people are using that code, then the advertisers come back and then all the other podcasters on my network who haven't made anything after five years, then they'll be like, oh, okay, we want to buy more shows. But so many people actively scoff at it. And it's just there was this revolution for a moment. And I was always really I was always really interested on how far into independent media could go. And in case of emergency, independent media, you know, with the state the world's in now, it could have a lot of weight getting information to people very quickly (laughs) over the Internet. And I was just really interested in the idea of just being like, this is the tip of the iceberg, how we're going to distribute stuff. Because mm-hmm. you don't have to just send an audio file over an RSS feed. You can send whatever you want. Um, writing, photos, live streams, videos, whatever. You can basically start um, with one single RSS feed, a news channel if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um but we we're 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 we we don't we're we're entertainment and on the artsy side of it like there's no qualms about that it's never going to go it's never going to go political out of nowhere but um it's just so i i guess i just it's just reminding me how much how lucky i am that i do have listeners who want to support via this like i like after show i'll get a bunch of tweets from people who are like what was that sponsor where you said this or that so um i that's, fucking love you guys. Yeah, let's be good. Well, they. But I have really be, nice listeners. Sounds yeah. like you have nice ones and also some prickly ones. Well, no, we have the the even the people that are, work at Feral Audio now. I was blown away when we were interviewing like the sweetest, like 
hungriest, most respectful people just started appearing. Like, and so our entire staff is like, cause I have to be half sweetheart, half prick to get <laughs> to do this. Cause there is at some point I have to be a prick cause I'm very anal retentive and everything on the site has to be, it has to look good. It has to sound good. It's very important. Like I have to be that person sometimes. Um, and also in, in real life, I'm genuinely very positive and enthusiastic about art and artists and doing this type of stuff. Like nothing makes me happier. Um, but I think the art, the, 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 the fans are the sweetest people in the world. And when I tour with Harmontown and I go and tour with shows and those people that just come up and like recognize me and say thank you. And um, they're all really always so sweet and intelligent and the people only the very small percentage of people are bitching but if it's enough for it to disrupt things so the please if you need contact lenses but you're you just <laughs> do this so you can support an independent artist so back to the selling out thing the, i so selling out it's like matt stone and trey parker were talking talk once about, about them all the time <laughs> they were talking about them saying they were selling out and they're like oh that was the whole idea for in the <laughs> beginning we were gonna just take this dumb cartoon and then sell it out and make the things we wanted to make mm-hmm. i made i made feral audio an unsell outable thing meaning that artists own everything and all if you bought feral audio such a small percentage of that money would go to the actual feral audio team 60% of that money would get distributed amongst the artists. And then you would just be basically buying a name and a brand and a logo. And artists would have the option to stay or leave if they wanted to. Um, and, and it's really not, that's not why you acquire things. You acquire things for their, God, I, I'm forced to use these words, Con- <laughs> content, <laughs> artwork, is what I'm trying to, their work. Um, but yeah, it's like, no one gets paid out here, and that was and that sucks. It's because we can't pay guests because you get into the legal thing where it's like, what we can do is we can call your lift to the thing, we can buy you lunch, but we can't just hand you cash because it gets so wonky legally. Um, and then if you give you so much, like forms come in, and so a dream of mine was always to at least pay the guests. But then at the same time, a dream of mine was for all of my hosts to be making money, and they don't. <laughs> and you- that's a failure on my part. What what was your family of origin like? My family? Yeah. Oh, I grew up in a very... Uh, I have a very bad childhood. I, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home. Um, alcoholism, a lot of mental illness, child abuse. I was... Of you? Yeah, I was abused. Um, I went to... I was pretty bad teenager. I got sent to... This experimental charter program. I was top one of the top thirty worst kids in the state. Like I was fifteen. If I got in trouble one more time, I go to juvie. So they put me in this program. They're just like, just stay out of trouble. <laughs> just don't get in trouble one more time. Like, what and was the worst thing you did? I was just, um, I was just not going to school anymore and being really mouthy. And it's a whole other story. Of I'm from Madison, Wisconsin, um, and then my parents lived in this little redneck town. Uh, homophobic redneck town and so i just really challenged that um and was doing art artistic stuff but i used to sell lsd and um i was just really scrappy just getting a lot of fights and stuff and then learned how to defend myself with my mouth and mm-hmm. then my so my parents just could there was no controlling me you can 
kind of cops couldn't control me. They, I would just they let me go and I would, just wouldn't stop. So did you do anything that hurt any? I would arguably LSD. No. But you didn't harm anyone aside no, from the No, I set them free. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was spreading them. I was spreading them. I was just picking up where the Beatles left off, okay. man. <laughs> um, but no, it, so this like, you know, Madison's the most liberal city in the country. And they sort of were like, going to make an example of me. But they put me above it. Like my, it was an office where the windows didn't open. And it was above like... Um, a fried chicken place in a Planned Parenthood on South Park Street in Madison, and just like dropping me into diversity is the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> it was just like, oh, this is real life. This is, that's why I have to live in a city like this. Like, I I, I have to be around. Yeah, it, but it, but um, I stayed out of trouble, and and then pretty much like in my early twenties, a very close friend of mine died, and it, how? Um, it was. Lindsay Plank and it was my first I was I was made fun of my whole life for having a female best friend and we were like ridiculed and harassed and she was so funny and cool but she was like 4.0 at the UW was going to be a forensic doctor like this is one of their highest accolades and then her and her boyfriend and their friend were drunk driving and then a block away from their house got an accident Mm. and died so very against drunk driving um, but I'm also very against DUI checkpoints, um, <laughs> morally. But anyway, I was I'm very fortunate in that way. For as like poor as we grew up, and like like I made I made myself from like nothing. Like I came here with two carry on bags and slept in a dirty pile of clothes and for a month until I could try to find an or get an air mattress and stuff. But that was nothing to me because I was like couch surfing for a while when I was 18. I was like floating around, and I just still had that kind of like angsty mad at the world type of thing mm-hmm. and then when she died i went into work because working at a gas station and she her face was on the front page and i read it and i was just like because i was a, is the that la- how you found out yeah and yeah. i was a really shitty friend to her for many years because my girlfriend at the time was dating her younger brother who i grew up with like but there was some weird just sort of like early 20s like dumb machismo where mm-hmm. it's like psh- fuck you, fuck this guy. And then she was so nice. And then, so I had just joined Facebook and then she sent me a friend request and I really didn't understand Facebook at the time. And then I was just, maybe we were just sitting there waiting to write to each other. But then days later, like she died. Mm. So it really like never cried that hard, like sucked so much out of me. And then it was noticeable, like, and I was also working at McDonald's until I was 23, but I went in and it was just completely noticeable. Like all this, it was, it was something hurt me like that hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I struggled a long time because I was like, why is she was also without even romanticizing a dead person, like so altruistic, like kids in my, or people in my grade would came up and did eulogies and they're like I never met her but I posted a thing where I needed to help move and she showed up with a pickup truck and helped me move and everybody came up with like that was great she was just like in really good physical shape very smart and like vegan and just really took care of herself and it was just like why is why is she gone and why am I here Mm -hmm. and that really like really perplexed me for a while and I really got into existentialist buddhism and hinduism and um nihilism and 
got fascinated with like quantum physics and stuff. And then I discovered Duncan Trussell who, who got me into like Alan Watts and Ram Dass. It was very much like, I'm going to do something with my life. I'm going to be as good to people and as fair to people as I could. And so, and with that, um, I've done feral audio under, with an ethos like that, where it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to give, I wake up every day and I say, how can I serve you? That's how I start every day in my life. Who can I serve today? And it makes me feel good. And maybe it's completely selfish. And then there was, and I'm a workaholic, and there is in the beginning of being a workaholic where you're like the Christ figure. You're like, <laughs> I work so much, blah, blah. And then you just, you want to do it just for pure validation. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, but now I didn't know. I love it. That's why I still do it. I, I've, it's like fight or flight. Every rock bottom I've hit, I mean, in the past month, I'm like, I want to leave. <laughs> leave what? It, LA, the industry. I want to leave. It's like it's getting so successful. The stakes are so high. People, when money's involved, people get so different. And it's like, this is not why I'm in it. But like now I have to be. It's like that. It's that um, Nietzsche quote that's misquoted a lot all the time it's about i'm gonna i'm gonna butcher i'm just paraphrasing it but it's like um if you look into the void the void stares back that mm-hmm. whole thing and, and people will appropriate it to death but it's really about like it's like you you who fight monsters worry about they don't become a monster themselves meaning in order for neo mm-hmm. in the matrix to beat the matrix he he has to learn. He can't be passive. He has to learn how to use guns. He has to learn how to fight. He has to learn how to kill people, even though he doesn't want to. And in order for him to kill or defeat the Matrix, he has to get to the absolute point of violence, and he has to use his skills to destroy them, but they're indestructible. So what happens at the end of the Matrix is he has a Zen moment where he just lets go. And then they shoot him full of bullets in the Matrix, and then he just goes, no. And he says no to bullets and they shoot him again and he grabs him out of the air and then he like sees how it is. And it's like, oh, like loving kindness, like you, the, the world is uh, a mirror of of your interpretation of it. So I just try to now, even though I'm really bad at it and I'm pretty bitter and I'm jaded at 32, like I don't have it like I got the stars knocked out of my eyes a few years ago, mm-hmm. but I, lo- I'm a, I like being my 30s are so much better than my 20s. They were it's when I did all the f- most amazing stuff in my life. But I feel like now I approach the world with um, a, co- a confidence and an ease. And some of that confidence came from just tons of depression too. So, you know what you really need if you're going to be plucking bullets from the air? Yeah. A kick ass body that you can get via Beach Body. And I would just like to acknowledge again Damn, the awkwardness, you're the best. The awkwardness no, you're the and best. the weirdness of these segues that I, I'm leaning hard into it. It's masterful. Dustin. Perhaps you're familiar with workout brands like P90X and our workout programs, Insanity, T25, et cetera. P90X, I think, and Insanity are, are the big ones. And years ago, if you wanted to do that, which you probably did because they were really hard and really good and popular, you had to go buy a stack of DVDs. Well, no more. Now it's a streaming service. You can 
get it on your computer, on your tablet, smartphone, etc. It's amazing. Uh, so you can work out from the comfort of your own home. You can work out if you're traveling for work in your hotel room. Uh, you could even work out in line at the post office. I think people would look at you strangely, but you don't care because you care about your physique. I don't know why I'm yelling. I'm fired up. <laughs> It's the first time I've gotten this fired up about it, even though I felt passionately about it the entire time. But anyway, so the ones I mentioned before, but now there's like entirely whole bunch of new programs. If you, if you get this streaming service, you can get a free 30-day trial. Um, there are so many different programs. There's one called 21 Day Fix. So let's say you have like a wedding coming up or something like that. You could sort of, you could, you, it, it, you can get into shape super fast and you can do it within the uh, 20, what I'm saying is. 30-day free trial. It's 21-day fix. You can do it. They, they wouldn't want you to do it, but you could do that. You could just do it and then you're done. Um, three-week yoga retreat. And they also have uh, a brand new first-of-its-kind cooking show for healthy weight loss and portion control called Fixate, which will teach you how to cook healthy, delicious, and simple recipes for you and your family. When I was pregnant, uh, which feels very recently, I did their special program for pregnant women and it's like they have different programs based on trimester i thought it would be easy i was winded within 10 minutes it was really hard but i recommend it so this is a brand new service but it already has over a million members my listeners can get a free trial membership allison rosen is your new best friend listeners just text allison a-l-i-s-o-n to 30 30 30 so again text allison to 30 30 30 and get full access to this entire platform for free okay nailed it See, that was disruptive innovation. DVDs were obsolete, and so now they're just streaming it. They're, they're smart. You don't, don't need to send data over plastic anymore. You were saying that depression has brought you confidence. Uh, Yeah. How so? Also, how are you? Oh. Uh, yeah, how are you? We haven't talked about... Is this all just going to be... I feel like I hijacked your podcast. Well, no. That's the, the, my podcast is about the guests. Before, can I ask you something yes, before you we talk about me? What's it like? Cause now I'm in my early 30s and a lot of my friends, like awesome friends, are having like beautiful children that live in Los Feliz and are already more relevant than I am. <laughs> but what's it like having kids right now and like with the state of the world? And it's a respite from it. I, well, I mean, so my son is six months old, so he's not yet in and about, you know, I haven't, mm-hmm. like, nothing going on in the world is impacting him yet, thankfully. Every, you know, his whole world is just kind of us. Um, but, so it's a, it's a nice distraction for me from what's going on in the world, because I was reading the news stories and checking Twitter constantly before he was born, um, the the night of the election, we were in a birthing class. And I remember Daniel didn't want to take the class that night because he wanted to watch the returns. And I was like, oh, we already know how it's going to turn out. You know, Hillary has it in the bag, so we can go to this class. And then I remember like we had a break in the middle of the class and we were every, everyone in the class was watching the news and was just so shocked. Um, so I was very depressed over the state of the world before he was born and still am, but he's a distraction from that. That's is awesome. that is that how you mean? Is that yeah. how you were so asking this a Because this is real life. Yeah. <laughs> and all that stuff is just, it's vapor. It's all just talk anyway. Right. But that really wasn't a tra- Like, we, I watched it too. I mean, that was uh, 9-11. That was, a, a, that was America failing that, that day. But in general, it's like, if you're, it's like, you got to look at the room you're in right now. It's like, are, are we safe? Is right. It, is it? 
Is it on fire? No. It's it is um, outside. Are there uh, Nazis pouring out of uh, pickup trucks? No. That's, not you, here. Can, no, no, not here. Exactly. Um, if we go down the street, is price is fruit still reasonably priced? Right. It's like yes. So, yeah, I do that kind of thinking though, and then I feel like so we're we're lucky because it's more touch and go for other people in other parts of the world. Yeah, but then that easily becomes overwhelming too. Yeah, because I'm I'm at that point too when I like I was dating someone with a awesome beautiful child and then it was just totally like did she was like you have a hard time with uh you know meeting people because i have a son it just doesn't phase me it's like i'm I'm, i'll hang out with that kid that seems cool do you (laughs) want to have kids because what we haven't talked about yet is just how like what i was alluding to at the beginning your presence online is so funny but dark this is, it's been a huge point of contention in my entire life out in LA to a point when I can't like I can't even believe like some people are in on it some people are my friends it it's like I'll have made I have I've always had having a face and a story behind Feral Audio helps but I was simultaneously doing the thing where there is a separation. Feral Audio is a group of people, but my social media is, to me, was always like intimate and separate from that mm-hmm. and never really married the two in my mind. But these companies nowadays, everyone applying for a job, all they do, and, and since Google works your tweets into Google now, all they do is obsess over your tweets. And because I'm, I'm, open about mental illness and my mental illness and my mental health and recovery of mental health there are advertisers who have dropped out of our network so wow. I, and so i now now it's like a different world where it's like you know i muzzle on me for a bit and then but it's not that bad it's just there's a dialogue happening with me and other people that you're just w- w- witnessing because i can tell you i my phone is littered with emails and comments almost every week about how being open about my thing helped them get into therapy and is helps them and i have people approach me and we talk about it because it's like they're they're the shame of like it's like depression isn't like a dirty thing it's like everybody has it just some people have it chronically and if you're i've been working like simultaneously while I've been doing Feral and I worked on an HBO show and I've worked on, I'm simultaneously, I was doing dialectical behavioral therapy for two years, five to six hours a week, uh, phone calls every other day. It's like one of the most intense therapies you can, you can get because well, I, I have bipolar, which I found a great psychiatrist and took a long time and I'm on great meds right now. So if what, you do, can if, I ask what you're on? I'm on Wellbutrin XL and Lamictal. I just started Lexapro first time I've ever been on anything um I don't know if it's really kicked in yet when when did you start um let's see today I started about a week and a half ago but I did five days on 2.5 which is like a tiny dose and then now I'm on five I I notice that I'm laughing and smiling more like from the outside in I know I appear happier um but it and I don't feel depressed, but I don't feel that much of a difference inside. Well, Lexapro is for anxiety, right? Yeah, well, it's it's both, but 
So I've taken, I've been because my family was poor and I was having problems since I was 15. I've been in and out of every therapy you can imagine since I was 15. My family was poor, so they took me to this place where I got experimental antidepressants and experimental things done on me. There was one thing where I had to every morning have two basically like glow sticks of white light and I had to hold them in my hand and they were bright white. And then I had to hold blue ones in my hand. <laughs> Did it help? I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> it is I don't know. But I had such an experience where, and I was 15 and going through puberty, and they put me on hardcore antidepressants that were like affecting my sex drive. Mm-hmm. I was erratic, and uh, it was so. I actually had a, a dialogue, and then just asked by asking friends, I'm like, "What are you taking?" Well, I found I walked into the. Um, Hollywood Metal Mental Health Clinic 1224 Vine Street in Hollywood which deserves its own documentary <laughs> but there are shitty therapists and psych- they're just people so j- you need to shop around but she I was like I want non-SSRIs uh, Lexapro's and SSRI mm-hmm. those are the things that tend to zombify me and just like kill my libido and and um is Wellbutrin not an SSRI? No. What is it? What is it's the alternative? A serot- it's a serotonin booster, and they call it the happy, horny, skinny pill. <laughs> so like, why I, the fuck am I on this one? When I took, <laughs> this this fat numb one. Well, us in the community, not the doctors. <laughs> but I took it, and <laughs> the thing is, is like I got back into therapy in my late twenties, and I took it in about three days. It was like this. It was like this veil was lifted from my eyes, and I was like oh, this is what it felt like when I was 17. Because some of us are just born, you have serotonin, it's a chemical in your brain. Mm-hmm. It dictates and you're, it gives you little reward systems. So um, and dopamine and serotonin are like, there. so when you have like a chemical deficiency, um, you just need a serotonin booster. And, and my serotonin is so low that XLs work so good for me. But then the other thing is Lamictal. It's a, it's a very new drug that's changed my life but it's very scary you have to basically before you take it they go if you start developing a rash everyone's afraid of the rash if you start developing a rash you need to go to the hospital immediately and get steroid thing pretty much it's like it took six months for me to get my dosage up it was like 0.25 one week to 50 whatever also i'm going to be shamed for talking about my mental health so i was fuck it not um, my listeners won't shame you they're yeah. all about well the industry indi- the, 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 the some some somebody in a suit with no soul will oh, i hate that person. um <laughs> who are now my peers um so i had to work up for six months to get to my dosage and during that time it's like yeah it's rocky it's weird you're changing your biology but it's, it's a mood stabilizer mm. um but at any point like I can't miss more than one or two days or I have to start all over and th- because, I mean, don't Google it. But Lamictal... I'm 100% Googling it. All right. Well, what it does is it randomly creates these chemical burns, these rashes, and wherever they appear, you're horribly disfigured. It can appear on your face, like meth burn or something, on your genitals, on your... Li- like, and they, once they appear, they're burnt forever. And there are entire cases where... A doctor gave someone too much and their entire body is skin is so everyone's so but just to have this is the thing about like why are you depressed all the time it's like I have to and I love it but I have to take a drug every day and risk my health in order to be just okay. and your good looks and my good looks which are already fading <laughs> um thank you that's nice um 
I don't know if you're saying in general or me. Now I'm in, now I'm in my head about it. Sorry. Um, I met you, but we can move you. on. Thank you. I could. I need that confidence booster right now. <laughs> um, I risk it every day, not knowing if I'm gonna when I'm gonna get this thing or if ever. So, but I've stayed on top of it. But then the other thing I have, I have um, borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. which is a, a big scary word for emotional dysregulation disorder. Which is cool because from ages three to five, pretty much your family or the people around you invalidate your feelings. Plus there's some trauma usually involved, which is like my origin story is pretty, pretty black and white, but um, it's a cognitive problem where you just learn how to get your emotional needs met, but your, the biology of your brain changes. So when, when someone without BPD has an emotion like anger, sadness, and they did MRI scans, like there's parts of their brain light up. Mine's higher brain lights up. And so Marsha Linehan, who created the DBT book, who I, this should, DBT should be taught in elementary school. It's like what is that? A dialectical oh. behavioral therapy. It's a book. It's a four course. Like it was like a community college course. Like I have a diploma, <laughs> but it's about mindfulness being in the moment. It's about um, distress tolerance, how to, how to, what to do, skills to do when you're in distress um emotional regulation and then interpersonal relationships which is because the 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 thing is that people who hurt and so inside we we hurt the people around us. it affects the people around you too so pretty much um like i'm i'm biologically like state of california certified emo that's my (laughs) joke um i really but like but I have good taste in music. I don't listen to that emo shit. No, <laughs> not um, any? Not even Sunday Day Real Estate? Ugh, no. Oh, I, I love them. Um, but I haven't listened to them in years. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, Wait, I, I Radiohead, to, I, are, Radiohead are, I think, are arguably emo. They're art rock. No All way. All right, okay. No, I listen to some emo. I don't know. It's just not, not, not that screamo shit. <laughs> anyway. So, I've said this a few times, but I've gotten... I got an email... And I'm sorry if you hear this and I haven't responded yet about how my appearance two years ago talking about it, um, you know. Your appearance on what? Yeah. And I'm a love addict. So I went, I was, went through a horrible breakup. Is Um, that recent? Now it's almost two years ago. I talked about it on the Jack Kornfield podcast, but it had a, it had a suicide rehearsal that went really far, really fast. And, and I survived it. I was just rehearsing for it. Um, just very depressed, very much rock bottom. How were you doing it? I had uh, figured out how to tie a noose and I didn't think I'd ever be able to do it again. So it just sat in my closet and things got really bad and I was in an emotional state. And then, so yeah, I and I have a rooftop and I was just like testing the strength of stuff or if I would fall. Mm-hmm. And then the neck, the, rope just went really fast and then i couldn't get it off oh my god and then i i i drank a bottle of vodka and then it all started coming up and then it was stuck and then and then i threw up for like 30 minutes and afterwards i felt so great (laughs) but you got you got out clearly got out of the noose yeah i got out of it and as jack cornfield the one of the greatest buddhist teachers said he's like he's like you had a near-death experience but Something in you needed to die. It just wasn't your body. What was it? That bottle of vodka? (laughs) Yeah, seriously. So, did, um, but anyway, I'm not defining myself. Mental illness is not, and it's, it's, we're going to police language. It's mental health, but it's an out of control, 
um, epidemic that's a dirty word and not discussed with. And you could have, it's not even about saving people's lives. You could have better, happier Thanksgivings if everybody would just address that they maybe had a chronic mental illness. Most people get this stuff and it doesn't go away. For chronic people, it's just like, I'm, I'm, I battle this shit every day, but my social media is like, considerably calm down <laughs> but dark shit is the reason i like comedy is because it's dark like mr show is dark as fuck and that's and when my hamster died my mom was like you're sad Let t- i'm taking you a movie and it was the mystery science theater 3k movie like and if and if you think i'm dark like um talk to my mom for five minutes i'm like teeny bopper she's (laughs) fucking horrifyingly dark and is severely mentally ill and i haven't talked to her in six years because she's she's gone she's not my mom anymore um so i'm an advocate of talking about it carrie fisher is our is a warrior and um i think dustin brandell he's a football player um but yeah i like talking about it and i don't really it's worth the people that it helps than the industry people who don't get it um but also it's very very funny to me like dark stuff makes me laugh and uh but yeah it can put people out like i'll 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 post existential things about death and people turn on instagram and maybe their dad died and they don't want to see that shit that makes me feel bad but it's usually just like yeah it's a combination between I just don't understand people who take the internet seriously. Mm-hmm. And so I've never really, that's. Well, that's sort of a message board culture thing to not take yeah. it seriously. Yeah. And, but Twitter to me is what is the most, du- what is the dumbest thought that I have that someone possibly could relate to? And then it's like a role playing game where you just see the likes come in. <laughs> but, um, I actually have cried out for help on Twitter like a couple of years ago. It was radio silence. There's, nobody mm. came, but whatever <laughs> um do you really I, feel say, whatever about that yeah people it's scary it's you're asking a lot so you have to find you in there's you you have to reach out i did reach out to people who more personally who did help me through that stuff so so can i ask you a question yes um borderline personality disorder it's i'm realizing that maybe my understanding of it is is naive or superficial because I think of people with BPD as like, oh, those with with apologies for the misinformation I'm potentially going to spew. No, I think of please. like, those are people that you are not emotionally safe around and like, watch out. Um, and also almost like n- there's not a lot of, there's not a conscience there, like almost sociopath. But you seem like kind and and loving and gentle and like you want to put good into the world. So there's zero sociopathy in BPD. It's actually one of the most like there's a huge stigma in the mental health community where a lot of therapists won't treat it or understand it because they feel like they get emotionally dependent on their therapists. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge that's why Marsha Linehan, she's like the Jesus Christ of this whole thing, like saved so many lives where she was doing cognitive behavioral therapy for PTSD and rape victims. And started realizing like, oh, this is there's a there's a more serious chronic. It's a serious mental illness, but it is true that like they're disruptive. But you, I, I'm a graduate of DBT. Like I put in so much self work, and right now I've I've been seeing someone and wearing seeing a life coach and couples therapy, which is freaking hard, but it's a good opportunity because uh, somebody wanted to like you know I gave her all the heads up, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I, but I've done more like therapy than anything, and. Um, 
it's it gets you there. I think if you're BPD, you have to have deep because if you're running around self self unaware, then yeah, it's going to cause problems. But it really only affects the people close to you. Mm-hmm. The thing about BPDs, especially in relationships, is we're super charming. We have very high IQs. Our brains are constantly going. I have rapid thoughts, so my I it's perple- it's hard sometimes because I can have four or five thoughts happening at the same time. Even on your skinny pill. Yeah, <laughs> especially on my skinny pill. <laughs> Um, but we're very sweet and we're empaths. We're they're not sociopaths. It's just that we don't have a cool down period. So when I get angry, cause I, my, one of my things is rage. Um, I just don't, I don't go, I just go zero to rage and mm. I have to have the mindfulness to stop before I do things when I'm angry that gratify me in the moment to getting the things I want in my short term relationship, which is winning an argument, which will hurt long term. Um, relationships. Uh, basically, the number one thing of VPDs is fear of abandonment. Well, I was going to say, so I had this book, like one of the first self-help books I bought years and years and years ago called I Hate You, Don't Leave Me. Yeah. And I think it may have been about BPD. Do you know that book? Yeah, I don't like it. Um, I don't remember it. But I will say that I... um related strongly to the to the I hate you don't leave me thing which was in my early relationships like that was something that would get triggered in me a lot and it's only in later years that I realized that that was about me and my parents it was I was just projecting that onto whoever I was dating at the time of like Mm -hmm. like I would so I would I would all something would get tripped in me and I would get so clingy and so needy and need so much validate you know super attractive stuff no, it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Trauma is fun. Yeah. Marshall Linehan calls us third degree burn, emotional third degree burn victims. And it is this, they, when they do MRIs, like when someone's entire body gets lit on fire, they have a certain amount of pain. It is the exact same pain I feel under intense um, emotions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, group therapy changed my life. And for love addiction, too, I went to some fringe. Um, it goes hand in hand, just relationship addiction. Um, it's like 48 hours in an MDMA ceremony for 48 hours straight with people just with intimacy problems. And then I went abstinent for over a year and I was doing really great and getting it together. And then I started dating again. It was good. And then that stuff comes up again. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it just feels like I have to fight this for the rest of my life. Like, oh, sounds exhausting. But in other times it's like a superpower. Um, but there's no shame. In shame what way in is it a superpower? Um, music means, feels more to me. Joy, I feel deeper than anyone. Sex, uh, like I feel everything. There's just such a slim amount of stuff that feels good, but you can get too can, elated and if that sucks too. Can sex in a health, does sex in a healthy context feel as good as dysfunctional sex? I'm for the first time dating someone and we're having healthy sex and it's awesome and I don't miss unhealthy sex whatsoever. Good. Yeah. It's it's there's just no comparison to it. I at first it was like I couldn't understand no one's like, no, no one's hitting each other. <laughs> um yeah. So I'm, I've had a pretty weird life like but I'm not defined like feral is a huge part of the I'm also like really into indie like the indie rock era of music and i'm I'm really into um you know com- communities and volunteering um and and art collectives and that's really what 
my message is, it's just so funny to me that I can make a huge statement, huge statement with a podcast network that is now the fifth biggest in the world that is like sending all this awesome conversation out all day in every direction. And then, but I still get people fucking walking up to me and telling my tweets to me and major corporations printing out my tweets and passing them around that have nothing to do with them from years ago. That's like, yeah. So it's been such a, you know, and I understand that people are worried, but also if you're not in on the joke, you're not in on the joke. And when I'm bad, when I'm not posting, that's when you should be worried. But but no, I mean, I post I post dark stuff because it's it has to be if it's if it's really good written because these kids on there's a nihilist meme like scene and these kids are writing better stuff than Kafka and <laughs> and and Camus and all this shit like it, the writing is so good so it has to be really good writing paired with like a really good art or something funny. Um, but that's not all me. It's not all I do. Um, but it is it is funny. But uh, the people like closest to me having problems with it, that's always baffling. Like people telling me not to tweet stuff. It's like that's not why I started my own business. I did this to like do whatever I want. But it's really being open about it. I think, uh, I think it alienates them because they're yeah. not open or someone they know is not open. And I just want everybody to feel comfortable in their own skin. Like Carrie Fisher did it right. She just gave zero fucks. <laughs> I would like to be a person who gives fewer fucks. I'm a pro- like I'm very open and then I worry about it and then I'm open and then I would like that's just my thing. And yet the idea of not I can't imagine not being open like that's death to me. Um but I would like to be I would like to feel more sort of unapologetic about everything. It just might not be who I am. Yeah, um, I need I need to set up boundaries now and I I am a professional now and there's a difference, but also um, if you don't understand the Twitter game, there's just different tiers of what's happening, but if you don't understand the millennial, like look, go look at so sad today, <laughs> that Twitter account, like look at the game we're playing. Um, and it really, and it helps bring people together. Let's do just me or everyone. But first I want to say you guys, I'm on Patreon. We sort of mentioned it earlier. Uh, it's a, it's a donation and reward system. So there's different reward levels. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. It's super fun for me and also for the uh, people who subscribe. You can get bonus episodes every month. There's a, a um, access to an exclusive interactive live stream uh, with me and other people. And there's a level where you get merch in the mail, all sorts of fun stuff. Allison Rosen is my name and go to patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe iTunes.com slash Allison Rosen. Okay. It don't just. I'm so sorry. That's okay. What were you gonna say? Uh, leave a review oh, yeah. with stars because that shit really helps. Like, just go there and just all you have to do is just say the word okay. Just bomb her entire YouTube section with guests that you want to see in the show. Anything iTunes, you mean? On iTunes, bomb her iTunes. Subscribe Comment to her show feed, yeah. and then go and give a five star rating and then just organize, organize it. Just go and do that. Do it. Okay. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, this is where people write in with things they think or do, and they wonder, is it just them 
or is it everyone? And I'm realizing I went straight to this and I skipped over asking you questions that people sent in on oh, Twitter. That's, that's fine. I love how you play the music live. We do. Every, it's that's all awesome. Live. I've got a whole band here and everything. Um, well, the thing is we have a special song that we play for the questions too. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do the segment within a segment. You saw the questions coming at you. Were there any that you wanted to answer? I didn't look at all of them, but I mean, I could, I could, I could look at them again. Uh, let's just do just me or everyone. And then if there's time okay. and if not, then you just answer them on Twitter. All right. We'll do that. <laughs> That's totally not the way this works. Okay. So Justin Johnson says, when it's hot as balls outside, I get super annoyed when I see people wearing long sleeves and hoodies, et cetera. It makes me sweat more. Listen, listen, Justin. I don't share that. I'm a person who is pretty much always overdressed for the weather. And uh, and people like you make my life harder because you're the people who are like, aren't you hot? Take your jacket off. And it's like, no, I do not feel confident in my arm situation or my legs or my whole body. I'm trying to hide. Leave me alone. How do you feel? Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a long sleeves. It's very it's it's I'm in summer goth motif right now, but I'm I definitely need sleeves. But you know, it's interesting because did he say it makes them hot? It makes him sweat more. Yeah. So do you know you know what Phantom Limb is, right? Yes. It's like when someone loses an arm, the brain still will send feedback signals to the arm and they'll get pain specifically in their wrist or in their finger. And the way to alleviate that pain is to watch somebody else rub their arm. Oh, that's and so it's very bizarre. So maybe there's some sort of his his physiology, he's cursed with looking at other people's clothes makes him um, warmer. So he but, needs to look at someone, what, taking it off <laughs> or yeah. someone who's shivering? Yeah. Well, I had a beanie on my avatar on my Twitter for years it was like a yellow beanie because my favorite color it's like uh it was like a um, um a earth tone yellow and i didn't know that was like some hipster thing but then for years guys like alt-right dudes were just fucking railing me against my hat and i'm like <laughs> I, I was two years ago and i was back home in wisconsin but okay <laughs> like but you see the guys in the summer now like walking around with a gray beanie and instead of just that instead of having that be like judgmental just approach it with uh, um, maybe there's something going on. Maybe he's, maybe his hair is receding. That's right. Maybe he has alopecia. Yeah. Rambling Kite says, getting two appetizers as my entree feels like a luxury, but usually ends up costing about the same hashtag restaurant hack. It's weird to me. I, don't, I wouldn't regard that as a luxury. I would just regard that as something different for dinner. Thoughts? Yeah, you're really liberal with the word luxury. <laughs> but like, yeah, you know, if I go to BJ's or Rustic Inn, I'm getting matzo sticks, have to get matzo sticks, and then I order a sliders. And that's that's it for me. I, I They overserve food. Like, I can never eat all the food in the entree. But I, I think, okay, well, if a full entree is fancy for you, then that, then... Oh, no. Am, no I, I, am I being negative? No, I think she's saying getting two appetizers instead of an entree feels fancy. Feels fancy. Oh, like it feels... Oh, Like it I feels indulgent it. to get... Self-indulgent? Or it, it feels sort of just like she... Oh, yes. Like it, she feels better about it? Like, no, it feels... It, I, when she says it feels like a luxury, I think she means it feels sort of decadent. 
Right. I think she's saying it feels like, oh, this is a big treat. And then essentially she winds up spending the right. same as if she like a just... Like bi- a big treat slash too expensive. But then it's sort of the same price yeah. wise. I think a uh, uh, power move is you order a bunch of appetizers and you order an entree and then you order dessert. And that's the only thing you leave. And then you drop a $100 bill on the table and walk out. That's that a is a power move. move. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I don't, I'm never give advice. I hope that was good advice. <laughs> Erica Crickson says, oh, I'm astounded when someone can hear the difference between Mary, Mary, and Mary. I realize those all sound the same. I also can't hear the difference. The first one being M-A-R-R-Y, the second one being M-E-R-R-Y, and the third one being the, the name Mary. East Coast thing, just me or everyone. So this came up on the show with Dawn and Dawn. And I know I just said those exactly. I can't hear the difference between Dawn, like the sun rising, and Dawn, like Dawn Draper. Can you hear the difference? No, there, is, you, no, there is no difference. There is a difference. It's regional. Um, and there's even a term for the the treatment of the vowel that happens on like the West Coast and somewhere else. So wait, even though you're from Wisconsin, you say them exactly the same? Well, I have the worst. When I go back home, I never had, I, I think I spent my entire life on the internet barely talking so when i go back home and the accents are real thick oh yeah but it's on a's so it'd be like mom boat waves the waters are choppy let's take the boat out on the lake because the waters are choppy like your a's go up but then at some point i had acquired like a southern california draw it's just the worst combination of, of things but i do think that i was reading about um language uh a futurism article and just the nature of like and also language is bullshit like because it was people who were taught to read and write were just usually like for it was for rich people and like it eventually is like they kept people poor and not able to read and write unless you paid to go to university or go to a teacher so books and language have been such a commodity and a weird thing in our our culture but english is um they say the most beautiful language to describe things but it's also the clunkiest but then i was so curious about why are there accents and it all has to do with genetic bloodlines because when communities form accents even like it's however it starts it's that means it's recognizable that you're from oh are you from the boston area the south area then it is more likely that you'll you'll breed with your tribe we don't have tribes out here anymore Mm -hmm. but it really is like the whole reason different regions because and also it's like why does that redneck voice appear everywhere (laughs) it's like everywhere it is like uh, nomadic but Mm -hmm. i don't know um i i can't tell the difference what's like you said don don yeah don 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 i'm from wisconsin so it would be don yeah i the funny thing is this was like a big thing on the show on my show and so people would write in they'd be like the difference between don and don is don the name is like lawn and um don the name is like ron and i'm like but those Lon and Ron, like it's all the same to me. Like they can't, people who get it can't fathom that I can't hear it. Jeff, you're a person who hears the difference. I do. Uh, Say them. Don. Which is which one? D-O-N. Okay. Don. 
Oh. Dawn? Dawn. Dawn. It's like dawn. Dawn. But a little bit. So do Mary, Mary, and Mary. Uh, wait, I wrote them down. Which one? Oh, Mary. Uh-huh. Which is to be wed. Mary. Like Merry Christmas. Yep. And Mary. Oh. There's a mare. Mare. Like a, like a mare. Mare. A horse. Right. So it's mare. 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 And mare. Mare. Smith. So slight to me. Are those big? Are those like the difference between um, night and day to you? It's <laughs> not where I was going with that. Well, I thought those were the same word. <laughs> are those big differences to you or is it slight? As in, can I hear them or when I pronounce them? I can usually tell just, when people are just saying in, it. in your soul. Are they big? <laughs> Does it feel like the difference between a long O and a short O or something? Uh, it's not a big difference, but yeah, I, I feel like there's a difference. Okay. Are you guys fighting? <laughs> Is that the most you've ever fought? <laughs> Tony says, oh, he sent this in for his wife. My From Shelly Myers. I clear hotel sink encounter of my hair so no one collects it and plants it at a crime scene. I've never thought of that. And my hair is everywhere. That's like that's like something Al would do. Yeah, because he's always worried about being blamed, like his wife accidentally dying, and then they blame him. Yeah. I like that. That's his first concern. <laughs> if his wife dies, that he'll get blamed. Have you ever been concerned about leaving your hair places? No, and I think if you're a forensic scientist, that would be so. Ha- I bet it's so hacked to be like, I found a hair. It's like. Pfft. We found fingerprints and saliva drops. You found <laughs> urine, uh, urinary uh, drop on the side of the bowl. Like going for hair, it's got to be like, yeah, let's challenge ourselves. Um, but no, we leave. We we're just constantly falling apart, leaving everything up, data from our phone, skin flakes, hair. But yeah, I, I am constantly doing. La- I have. I, I do my laundry to laundromat. And I constantly, and there'll be like long, like in around my clothes. And so, one time it was like in my underwear and it was like wrapped around. Oh, like my, in the elastic? It was like wrapped around my dick. <laughs> and it was like not my hair or any, I was abstinent. So it was nobody's hair, but it, oh, it just came from washing, ew. using the public like dry, like that. Using uh, a public so, facility that's supposed to get you clean. Yeah. yeah. So, but there, and it's it's uncontrollable. Like if you like your hair is constantly falling out. Um, but I think like you, yeah, you'll get busted. But I think they'll try so much more just for their own enjoyment to really get you and get you busted. So don't worry about your hair. Worry about your skin flakes. Yeah, and if you're a guy, don't spit on the fucking sidewalk. <gasps> That's one of my least favorite things it's in the whole world. Horrifying. Street loogies. I can't. They. It's, I still remember. I've, I'm. I'm sorry. I've talked about this before. The guy that I had a crush on in high school. We were. We were in art class together, and we were waiting for the Miss Painter. That was really her name to come let us into the art room. And he hocked up a loogie and spit it at a plant, and it like dangled off the leaf and hung. And I almost threw oh, up. I hope he's dead. I should look him up on Facebook. See if he remembers that special loogie. Just do it privately to the side if you have to. This is the same guy that uh, the this was the people on the Corolla show know. He was, I can't remember if it was him or his friend. One of them was eating watermelon and the other, we were both surfers. And the other one's like, you look like you've been chowing box, man. 
<laughs> Wait, what? I, you look like you've been chowing box, oh. man. Just, <laughs> sorry, I should have added. He was eating watermelon. And he had like watermelon dripping all yeah. over his face. And then the other one said, you look like you've been chowing box, man. Oh, well, so. I mean, in Wisconsin, they fucking put their at parties, they chewing tobacco and they spit it into cans. And I had reached for a beer can Bull. and drank someone's chaw uh. spit. Is one of the worst things. Like, yeah. That's Anyways. disgusting. Yeah. It was that actually is the most traumatic thing that ever happened to me. Wow. That's why I tweet the way I do. <laughs> Dustin, it was so nice having you on the show. Yeah, Thank I'm you honored. so much. Thank you. So, Jeff, where do we find you? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. Dustin, let them plug all your stuff. Plug whatever you'd like to plug. I like to plug feralaudio.com and we've been um, releasing a bunch of shows that I'm really proud of and we we work a long time on these shows, but there's a show right now that I think it's like the next big thing, but um, it's called Ethnically Ambiguous with Anna and Shireen. And it's two very funny, charming um, friends just talking about, you know, um, Shireen's family are from Syria. Um, Anna's are from Iran. And it's just brown girl problems, as they put it. But um, it's so funny. And I just... It, 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 the conversations they're having are so great and then um, but they take whatever is going on in the world that week with uh, Muslims in America and there's a lot and they just talk about it from their perspective and they're hilarious and and um, yeah that's really what I want to plug everybody to that's my personal recommendation and then I'm on Instagram at Dustin Martian M-A-R-T-I-A-N like I'm like I'm from Mars <laughs> um and same on twitter if you don't it's i've been writing more dirty tweets lately they se- those seem to do good <laughs> but if you want to be depressed i guess also i'm i'm a good person thank you <laughs> i can vouch for you you are follow me on ins i usually plug my twitter but i'm gonna say follow me on instagram because i've been trying to get that number up for a while and it's just it's just idling. I love your Instagram. Thank you. They, there's cute. There's all sorts of cuteness. And also a good license plate I saw that said, got to poo. I love that. Uh, so follow me on Instagram, at Allison Rosen, and on Twitter, at Allison Rosen. Just one L. Uh, okay. Thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. You look like you've been chowing box, man. (laughs)